many loves the mountaintop experience? You know what? The, I, lo, I, I love the mountaintop experience. I'm talking about versus the valley experience. The mountaintop experience is where you, you're flying, man. Everything is good. I mean, bills are paid. Amen. We wake up early to take the dog out. He actually goes to the bathroom in 10 seconds. Come on, in not 20 minutes. Amen. Y'all got pets. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, come on, come on. I'm late for work. Amen. Follow them around. What? They pick them up. With, they pick the stuff up now in a plastic bag. When I was a kid, ain't nobody, nobody in the 70s and 80s picked up anybody's doo-doo. Come on, someone say amen. No, that, that's a dog. Let a dog go do it. You stepped in it. Tough luck. You know, it's just the way it goes. Nobody picked anything up back in those days. Now we got a dog. Somebody say, Jesus, help them. We got a dog, and now we pick up the doo-doo of the dog. Praise God. Because we don't want anybody to think we're not those kind of people, you know. So we have to pick it up. But you got you to gotta hurry. You got to go. There's nothing worse, right, than everything going wrong in your life. Things not working out right. But when things are moving ahead good and smooth, and you're feeling good about your, uh, your decisions, and, and it feels like the favor. Who loves the favor of God in their life? I'm here to tell you, I think the favor of God's about to come back in our lives in a way, because the thing that's in my spirit, I shared this on, I should have shared it in the first service. I forgot to. But on Thursday night, the Lord told me to share it with the church. Last Sunday, I was standing in the front row of the church. We didn't sing it today. I don't think we did. Do it again. We say a song? No, we didn't. But we're going to, you'll know, you know it. And this song that we, we sing so good, it's called Do It Again. And we're singing this song about walking around these walls. I thought these walls would fall by now. You know, these mountains, I thought they'd be gone by now. But you know what? You did it once, you'll do it again. And I felt the Lord said, son, I'm about to do it again. I'm about to drop my presence in this place like never before again. I'm about to move in your lives, in this church, like I've never moved. Come on, whatever I did before, I'm about to do again. Touch your neighbor, say, he's about to do it again for you. Come on, tell him. Oh, sister. Oh, glory to God. I'm at home now. Praise the Lord. I love the mountaintop. The mountaintop is, is where things are going well. And nobody wants to go down in that valley. But what do you do when you're not experiencing the mountaintop favor of God? What do you do when hell shows up in your life? There was... A story that the, 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 the author, Matthew, wrote in his gospel, chapter 17. His gospel to the church. And he wrote it uh, as, a, as a spectator of this event. And it's called the Mount of Transfiguration in your Bible. You'll see it there listed. Sometimes it'll be at the top of the chapter. And it's there that Jesus took his disciples on top of a mountain. And on the mountain, the Spirit of God shows up heavily. And two men appear from heaven to earth by the name of Elijah and Moses. And now they're talking and conversing with Jesus. But now they, they see Moses and they see Elijah in their glory state. 
Not in their natural state, but in their glory state. And they see the glory of God come upon Jesus. And they're not seeing the Jesus that they're used to seeing in, the, in, the, in, 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 in just ministry life. But they're seeing Jesus as God, as he is. And the Bible says his face shone like the sun. And his clothes became white like wool. And he began to converse and speak. And we don't know what they were talking about. But evidently they were talking kingdom things. And the Bible says Peter, James, and John, the closest men that were to Jesus and you had the other disciples nine that were close to him but there were the three that were the inner sanctum of Christ and they walked with him everywhere they went and they were for some reason they were allowed to come closer to Jesus than the rest and they were I want to be like that I want to be in that inner circle guys I want to be closer to Jesus I don't think Jesus chose them I think he th those men chose Jesus and they wanted to get a whole lot closer to him and they got into him and they were appear they were they were watching this appearance right before their eyes and they were mesmerized as you can imagine they were freaked out, as you can imagine. They were, they were in wonderment, as you can imagine. And as I stand in the front row, the Lord spoke this to my heart. Not about this story, but I'm going to tie it together. He said, Lord, he said, son, I'm about to do something in this place. And it's going to be wonderful. That was the exact words that God said. He said, it's going to be wonderful. Which to me, wonderful, that's an interesting word that he would use. Because we hear the words signs, wonders, and miracles. Sometimes God just gives you stuff that you got to wonder about. And go, oh my God, I was just this way yesterday. I'm a totally different person today. Day. something has come on I, I wonder how this happened Woo. how many wants to see wonders in your life they see Jesus in his glorified state and as they get closer Peter stands up as some people do and, and they probably shouldn't talk but he did he said Lord it is good that we're here and uh, it is good that we would build you three tabernacles one for Elijah one for Moses and one for you the Bible says a cloud overshadowed them and the voice of God came out of heaven and said, this is my son. Hear him only. I don't care how good a preacher there is out there. At the end of the day, you got to have a hear, ear to hear the voice of Jesus coming through to you. I preached a whole series called Doors. You got to get close, come on, to hear the knocking of Jesus and let him in. And when you hear his voice, you can let him into your world and everything changes. A new season of your life. Come on. Who's ready for a new season in your life? Come on, church. Woo. Too often, we want to stay in the mountain and never return to the valley. But the miracles happen in the valley. The, no, listen, church. The, and the greatest miracle, the greatest miracle is that you or a born again child of God escaping hell and on your way to heaven you are saved that's the greatest miracle and those people souls are not found on the mountaintop souls are found in the valley but you gotta you gotta go up into the mountain to get away with God you gotta go up into the mountain to get the presence of God to hear the voice of God so you can go back down in the valley and tell the people who God is but now then you're changed you're not like you were when you walked up you got the glory you got the anointing of God on you to do the ministry God's called you to do Am I preaching too soon? Can you all flow with me so far? Jesus. 
I want to stay in the mountain too. But the miracles, my breakthrough, my destiny is in the valley. The problem with staying where you are is that you will never know who you are. Can I say that one more time? The right side of the church, God, how about the left side over here? I said, you'll never know who you are, come on, if you stay where you are. Never get emotionally connected to a temporary place. And that's our problem. That's our problem. We want to stay where it feels good. We want to stay where everything's okay. We want to stay in a place of peace and provision. We want to stay in a place of comfort and comfortability. Come on, somebody. That's why you got to beware of nostalgia because nostalgia will keep you chained to your past, always looking back and never looking forward, trying to recapture something, a feeling, a place, or a, a, a time. Uh, 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 let me just tell you something, sir. Let me just tell you something. Years have gone by, sir. You, you can't still fit in those skinny jeans yes I can I'm very proud to let you know I still have a size I'm still like my high school pictures I'm still a size 32 but your belly is a 44 and you got suspenders on to hold them pants up come on somebody you barely getting in come on y'all talk to me somebody amen I remember we were down in L.A., and um, we would go once a year. We used to go once a year, and uh, we used to minister out there. And then uh, we'd go downtown. And downtown, they got all kinds of cool little shops. And you can get deals downtown. They got the different districts you can go to. You got the jewelry district, and they had the fashion district. So I'd go down to the fashion district once a year, and then I would load up on suits. Because you could buy suits for $75 and $85 for a suit. Good-looking Italian suits. They're probably... 350, 400 on the rack, anywhere up here. So we, it's called the Santee Alley. Has anybody ever shopped at the Santee Alley in LA? You've been out there? Well, you're from there, aren't you? So you know all about it. You know what I'm talking about. And so you go in there and you can buy, am I right? You can get deals. You can work deals with these guys. So I'd go in there and I'd buy three, four suits, you know, and come back all proud because I got suits, man. Where'd you get those suits? I'm not going to tell you. You don't, you don't want to give all your secrets away. Come on. And so, and so, <laughs> and so, and they were cheap. And so I walked in, I'm, I can't find nothing. Finally, I go into this one shop, and I find the suit I like. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful Italian suit. And I find it, but I'm looking to the rack, and I can't find my size. I'm looking, I'm looking, I can't find my size. Finally, I take the suit to the owner. The owner's Italian, spoke, spoke you know, broken English. And I said, um, sir, I said, I like this suit, but I can't find my size. And he just puts his hand on my, sh on my shoulder and says, he goes, he goes, we don't have that size, sir. I said, we don't have your size. I said, I know, but could you, could you maybe order it? Or, and how long would that take if you could order? He just smiled and put his hand back on my shoulder and said, maybe, maybe mama making you too big, huh? A little tear squirted out of my eye, down my cheek. <laughs> you better shut up. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Come on. I'm trying to fit in yesterday's clothes. Come on, somebody. Hey, maybe mama making you too big, too. Maybe your dreams are too big. Your future's too big. Your destiny's too big. And you can't fit in the same thing. Come on. You can't fit in the same mode you used to fit in. How many is ready? Come on. To move into a tomorrow that's bigger, come on, than what you got. 
Quit trying to squeeze your behind in something that's too small for you anyways. And get comfortable in the presence of God. Get comfortable in your destiny. Get comfortable in the purposes of God. Do not be emotionally attached to something that was only supposed to be temporary in your life. When you build a building, the scaffolding that goes on the outside. When the building is built, the scaffolding goes away. The scaffolding was not attached permanently to the facility. Why? It had a purpose. It served its purpose. Now move on. And that man served his purpose. Now move on. That woman served her purpose. Now move on. It's not time to go back. You don't need to go back to that place. Children of Israel had the same problem. Children of Israel were, they would, God called them out of Egypt. And they would, he said, I give you a promise. And it's called the promised land. All you got to do is follow me. Run with what I'm telling you. And every time, even after seeing the miracles of God, every time they would come up against something that was tough or they didn't get the breakthrough they thought, kind of like us, the first thing they would do is get a, start a strike line. They would strike against Moses and say, look at you, you brought us out here to die like dogs. We're going to starve to death or we're going to die by our enemy's hands or whatever it happened to be at that time. And they would blame Moses and they would instantly, instantly start thinking about yesterday. And how good it was. Y'all better hear me now. How good it was in Egypt. Oh, how short term, much short term memory you actually have. How good it was in Egypt being beaten every single day with the crack of a whip, being, being uh, starved to death, building somebody else's empire and not our own, being a slave and not free. And they said, they would say, Oh, we dream about the days of eating the onions. Remember the onions of Egypt? They were so delicious. And remember the garlic of Egypt? And how wonderful they were. And they would dream about that. Can you imagine what was going on in God's mind? Are you kidding me? I'm about to give you a lamb that flows with milk and honey. And you want stinky breath? Nostalgia is stupid. Because nostalgia tells you how good it used to be. The good old days. But when you really look back, they were really not that good. Amen, church. As soon as Jesus and his inner circle of disciples came down from the mountain, they were confronted with hell. And that's the people I'm talking to today. There was a demoniac that was filled with the devil, a situation that arose that was filled with complete demonic harassment. There are people here today. You're in church. You know what? I'm so proud of you because you know why you want a breakthrough, man. You could be down there at the summer fest. You could be enjoying something. Now, I know it's the, the weekend of uh, uh, celebrating. Like my wife brought it up about um, the 4th of July. But you're here today. <laughs> I believe this God can cause a move of his spirit right in the middle of summertime. When everybody says, don't put on your best game. We ain't got enough people to do it. You know how it is. Everybody goes away on vacation. Not at faith builders. God is doing something in the realm of the spirit. And you know it. You sense it. You feel it. You got it all up inside of you. And that's why you're here today. Amen. Hell has walked into your life. Demonic harassment 
has walked into your life and you don't know which way is up. I was, this was several years ago and I was in the lobby and I was just greeting some people and I, I was between services and um, a woman came up to me and young, relatively young and she said, um, can I talk to you for a second? I said, sure. And she did what most people do, especially since I didn't know her. She wanted to tell me her story. And so she starts to tell me her story. She's a recovering uh, drug addict. And um, I think she said two years that she'd been sober. I said, that's wonderful. Congratulations. And she said, but she said, all I can tell you is it's been so bad lately. It's just been so tough. I said, well, tell me what's going on. She goes, well, ever since I really recommitted my life to the Lord and really got right with God, it's like everything's been going so bad and so wrong. And she started saying, my kids, you know, they're, they're all teenagers, young teenagers, and, and, and they're in and out of trouble all the time. I just had to bail my daughter out of jail, um, son or daughter out of jail uh, a week prior to our conversation. And, and, and she says, and they're, they're all the time messing with things and involved in uh, uh, sexual activity. And I'm constantly telling the word, but they won't listen to me, Pastor. They won't. They won't listen to me. And she goes, and I don't blame them because I was in and out of their life because of drugs. And it's a mess. So our finances are out of whack. They're going to throw us out of our house. My husband left us and left the kids and haven't heard from them. And they're, they're very upset about that and upset with me because of it. And I mean, it is a mess. And she said, on top of that, she goes, I am, I am tempted right now to go out and start smoking crack cocaine again. She goes, because it's just so much stress on me. She goes, I know I can't. If I do, I won't come back. I might even die. My kids will never forgive me anyway. She said, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And you know, you know, in that moment, you, I expect something sweet. Well, praise the Lord. You came to the right place. We're going to pray, and God's going to help you. And it came out of her mouth. Sometimes things will come out of your mouth that will shock you. And I, I got to say, it had to be by the Holy Ghost. I know it was by the Holy Ghost. You know what I told her? This is what I came out of my mouth. I said, back the hell up. Now, I said those words. Y'all laughing at me right now. But I said those words. I did not cuss i did not mean to offend her i meant it i i said it and i knew what i meant but it came off kind of strong and she did she kind of backed up a little bit her eyes got real big i said i grabbed her and said no i'm not cussing you out i'm not i'm saying you need to back the hell up out of your life the life of the enemy is coming to steal and steal and destroy he's coming to destroy your own life hell has come to engage your household you gotta back it up use your authority are you flowing with me Everybody say, back the hell up, devil. Yeah. You've got power. You've got authority. You've got a weapon called your tongue. It's a two-edged sword. I wish I could preach in this place today. Isn't it interesting? While you're on your mountaintop experience... Life going pretty good. The devil is orchestrating hell for you to face in the valley. Right after they came out of the valley, Matthew 17, 14. They're coming down. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. The father said to Jesus, he said, Master, my son is an epileptic. Epileptic in the Greek means a lunatic. It's what it's defined as, moonstruck, to be crazy, buck wild, foolish, outlandish, fanatical, wild, ferocious, and extreme. How many of you have had a situation like that in your life where it's out of control, outlandish, fanatical, buck wild, crazy? 
And you start thinking, I didn't sign on for none of this stuff. How did this, how did, I didn't sow for this. How did I reap this? Has anybody ever said that before? I didn't sow for this. How did I reap this harvest? We're getting to somewhere today. We're getting there. This thing, if you're not careful, will take possession over you, your thought lives, your circumstances, even your body and your mind. Verse 15 again says this, for he often, he often, he often falls into the fire and often into the water. In other words, his behavior is so destructive that he keeps falling into the same thing over and over and over and over again. He keeps falling into the same stuff. He keeps doing the same thing and ending up in the same places. He keeps falling into the same miserable cycle. He's somebody who doesn't appear to be learning from his mistakes. He's on repeat cycle. It's like a button that's been pushed and automatic. And every day, Groundhog Day, he gets up and repeats the same terrible stuff every single day of his life. And people in this room, it's like you're stuck on automatic, on a repeat cycle of hell and destruction in your life. It's demonic harassment. And you can't, it's like you're really not in control. And you look at other people, you say, well, look, they look pretty good. They look like life's together, and you start making yourself feel bad because they look like they're having a good life. Be, be very, beware what you see on Instagram. Can we keep it real in here today? I said, beware the people you follow on Instagram because they put their best game on. Come on, somebody. They got the light just right. They got the filter just right. They, they, duck, they got duck lip anointing. Come on, somebody. Mm, I can't even do it. It's disgusting when I do it. And they got that thing just angle, angle right so you can't see that double chin. Come on, I know what I'm talking about here. You ain't gonna, I'm going to put no pictures out there. No. We're going to have the right angle. That's why we take pictures of me down there. Quit, 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 quit. I'll take one with you after service. You always get a belly shot. It's a belly shot. It's like a fish eye, like a big old gut. Just, and then my head's way back in the background somewhere. Please, please, please. People put on their best game when it comes, people put on their best game when it comes to Instagram. They ain't telling you. They say, I'll, I'll have the day of my life at the beach, y'all. Hashtag fun in the sun. Five minutes later, had an argument with their husband, almost got a divorce. Didn't put that on Instagram. <laughs> Am I right about it? They broke as a joke and acting like they got all kinds of money. Oh, look at my car. And they're leaning up on it and stuff like that. They're at a car lot. They don't even own the car. And you're like, I ain't got a car. They ain't got one either. Am I right about this church? I said, am I right about it? Don't be fooled by it. And don't compare yourself. Quit comparing yourself. You're making yourself miserable. You're the only you that's ever been, that ever will be. No one like you. You can look at your eye and see you're different. Look at your fingerprints and see you're different. Look at your DNA, see you're different. You are an original, baby. You are somewhere ready to go. That happened, and there's never been anybody like you before on earth. They may steal the recipe, but they can't bake my cake. Come on. I 
I want to tell people on Instagram, don't tell me about your breakthrough till you tell me what you've been through. I want to know where you've been. How did you, what step did you take? I don't want to see the outcome. Tell me the hell you had to go through. Tell me where Jesus came through and set you free and got you on the other side. Man, I can tell you right now, I ain't Joel Osteen. If you haven't noticed by now, I'm not Joel. I wish I was Joel. He's sweet. He bashful. He tells a joke and his face gets red and he just smiles and he's skinny. <laughs> got great teeth and hair and you know, he's got, a, I think he's got, a, they said he's got a six pack. He's in shape and he gets up there, no scandals and everybody loves Joel and he goes, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I'm watching going, you know what Joel just said? He just said, his Bible can, I believe every word Joel said, I'm like, ah, yes, sir. He just said his Bible can do that. And then my Bible, can, I believe every word he said. I love Joel. I've never met Joel yet, but I'm going to tell you something. I defend Joel. If everybody talks bad about Joel, mm, not in front of me. I love Joel. Everybody loves Joel. Joel's so loved, he can go on The View and be loved. He can go on CNN and be loved. Come on, somebody. I mean, he's just, lo I love him. Everybody loves him, but I ain't Joel but I found out I ain't got the same journey Joel had. And that's all right. That's his journey. That's not Jeff Pruitt's journey. I've already jacked up, been messed up, janky stuff happened in my life, things I wish that would never happen. I've been, by the way, I've been on the repeat cycle more times than I can count. And I wish to God I could take it all back, but I cannot take it back. I've been wanting to learn on the way, on the job training. Come on, somebody. I wish I was polished. I wish I had it all together. I wish everything was perfect in my life. But I know one thing, God didn't call me that way, but he did call me to be an overcomer. No matter what I've been through, this God has seen me through on the other side. And he tells me to stand up here and tell you, if you're going through, you can go to the other side. Everybody shout back the hell up. Devil ain't got no authority over you. The word suggests that anybody who keeps falling into the same mess, the same activity, same depression, same dysfunction, same type of relationships, to the extent that you've been falling into bad stuff so long that good stuff seems dysfunctional to you. The word suggests that you need deliverance. Can we talk about this in the house of God? Have we, got, have we gotten so, so cute in church that we can't talk about deliverance in the house of God, which was one of the major, major milestone ministries of Jesus Christ? And he said, cast out demons? But I'm not just talking about a devil. He's going to get some blame today too. But I'm talking about the deliverance of self. The Bible says, put off the mortal deeds of the flesh and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. I think most people still got more problems than they need in their life after finding Jesus because they didn't give him everything. They didn't give him all their life. They saved a little bit of their life, a little bit of their heart. They had one, they had one big toe in the world while all the rest of them is in the kingdom. You can't go that way. You can't serve two masters. You got to find out which side you belong on. We got to shed ourselves of our flesh, crucify the flesh, the Bible says, and pick up our cross. Follow him.
Most of the church is messed up and screwed up in their thinking because they're trying to live in both worlds and you just can't do it. You're either all saved or you're not saved at all. Come on, y'all. He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. We can't have it both ways, church. It's time for deliverance to happen in our lives. Look, some of you have grown accustomed to falling into the wrong thing so long that the right thing when it comes along looks abnormal to you. You've been so dysfunctional that when you see something good, you think it can't be right. It's too good. We see people that have a good marriage. My wife and I have been married for 32 years. I feel old, y'all. 32, we were kids when we got married. 32 years. And guess what I want to tell you this right now, church. The bottom line is this, is a, a marriage is a covenant between two people. It's a commitment to death to his part. I've only had one woman in my life, and she's the only woman I'm going to have the rest of my life. That's it. That's my covenant. It's forever. I'm going to drive her crazy in heaven. Get away from me. Give me a day. No, we're going to do life together forever. <laughs> we see a good marriage. We think that, that's too good to be true. Oh, they're hiding some. Oh, they just act like everything's good. Sometimes there's just good marriage. It don't mean ours is perfect. It doesn't mean we don't fight. God knows that's not true. It doesn't mean that we don't see everything. I, 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 of course we see things differently. But the truth is our marriage is only good because we have a commitment that we trust one another and we will not be shaken from it. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I don't care how pretty you are in this church. I don't care how good looking you are and you like fat guys. You'll never get this one. I'll tell you that right now. Never, not in a hundred years. Not in a hundred years. Never. I see you coming. I got to go this way, praise the Lord. Right is right, wrong is wrong. That's what my mother used to say. And I'll shun evil. I remember, I remember, I remember uh, Jesse Duplantis, the doctor. He's going to come back here. Jesse Duplantis, he's my friend. And he came, uh, 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 he came, and he would tell these stories. And he, he told us, he's told us so many times. But he, this guy, he said, it was a whole message he preached. I'm trying to think of what it was now. But anyways, it's basically, it's basically uh, shame the devil or the devil will shame you. And he was on a plane. And he sat, he was sitting in, in, the, in the front row. And a woman sat by him. He said, women like my hair. He goes, women like my hair. It's white. They like my hair. And she goes, oh, you have pretty hair. He goes, well, thank you. And she goes, well, what do you do? And um, he, told, he told her that he, he's a preacher. She goes, that's good. That's great. She goes, well, what are you doing tonight? He got up. This is what he did, y'all. I didn't do it. This is what he did. He said, he looked at his, in front of the whole place and said, Hora Babylon. Hora Babylon. And she went, ah. And everybody freaked out. And trays went flying everywhere. And, and she got up and went sit somewhere else. Come on, somebody say amen. He said, I found out if you don't shame the devil and shame sin, it will end up shaming you. Come on, somebody. Sometimes we think of things that it gets to us and because we've been in so many wrong situations, we see something right. It looks wrong. People praying over me, go to Chick-fil-A or you go to Omega Restaurant or somewhere else and you see a family praying over their meal. think, that's just weird. Maybe that's not weird at all. Maybe we're weird. If we're believers, should we be praying publicly? Amen, somebody. 
Or some say, hey, you want to go to this movie? Well, I don't think the Lord wants me to see that. And we go, oh, you're too religious. Don't you call them religious. If God don't want them to see something, maybe you want to pray and ask the Lord if you're supposed to go see that movie. Maybe the reason why you're not getting ahead in life because you're doing things you never asked God about in the first place. Is this too hard? If it is, I can't apologize for it because it's what God once said. The problem is, just like this boy that Jesus ministered to, you keep falling in and out of that same sin and self-inflicted nonsense until dysfunction is now the new norm. Lady, that first man who did you wrong should have taught you your lesson. Sir, that first woman that did you wrong should have taught you your lesson. But there you go again, falling back into the same cycle over and over. Do you know why? Because you don't think you can do any better. And you are a child of the most high God. Your daddy is the king of the universe, and you think you got to settle for a thug? People move from city to city, nothing changes. They move from man to man, nothing changes. They move from woman to woman, but nothing changes. They move from men to women, and nothing changes. People want to find satisfaction in all kinds of crazy ways, and it still don't work. Well, you don't understand my situation, preacher. You just don't understand. I've had one bad man. You know, pastor, all men are dogs. You've heard me say this before. Maybe all men aren't dogs. Maybe you're just the best dog catcher in town. What's in you that keeps attracting the wrong person in your life? I'm preaching good. I'm about to do the moonwalk up in here. Amen, somebody. It's a perpetual cycle of hell in your life. And you keep falling back in the same mess, the same spending habits, the same job habits, the same kind of friendships and relationships, the same kind of boyfriends. You left one to go to another. Sir, you left one manipulator to go to another manipulator. You know what your problem is, my friend, my man? You got a mommy complex. You know what a mommy complex is? That means you you want your girlfriend and your wife to be like your mommy. Tuck you in at night, burp you, uh, make sure you have food in your belly, take care of you, rub your feet. Uh, when you don't feel good, rub your tummy real good and have your clothes laid out in the bed and tie your little tennis shoes up and you better grow up. I said, you better grow up. If you're going to be a man, act like a man. You want to take care of her. She's not your mommy. I said, sir, you better take care of your woman. It's not the other way around. I see men in this generation that need to grow up. Amen, church. And I, I don't know who you are, but if I'm talking to you, you need to start growing up. You're not going to be comfortable around faith builders because in this church, a man's got to be a man. And a man is what? A man is somebody who provides for his family, takes care of his babies, makes sure his woman is loved. Make sure there's food on the table. Break his back in the sun to make sure his family is getting the best in life. Come on. I'm preaching real good now. You may not come back next week, but I'm still going to be preaching. I know that you keep trying to figure out what's wrong with you. Why you can't change. Make better choices. Discern the voice of God. Hear the Lord clearly. Why things can't get better. Why don't you start by telling the devil, back the hell up out of my life. You ain't got any authority in this house. I will no longer become a welcome mat for you in my own home. You'll no longer take your feet and wipe them off on my back. This is my house. And as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. 
I'm almost done. I told this first service, sorry folks, I've been trying to stay to the schedule for this hour and 15 minute service, but in the days ahead, I can't promise that no more. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. The spirit of God may break out in this house and we're going to have to do what God wants. Now, what I will say this, I will never hold anybody here. You can go do, and people got plans, and I understand that. Maybe we'll dismiss that, but, but, but I'm going to let God be God. Who's with me on that? I think it's time. Just give me a couple minutes and I will finish. Here's the shouting news today. That demon-possessed boy, he kept falling into things that should have killed him, but they didn't. That's something to shout about right there. I know there are people here today, and you shout and praise God in spite of your woes. And people think you're shouting and praising God because of the car or the house, or the job you got. No, you're not shouting because of what you have. You're shouting because of what you have survived. Come on! Do I got any survivors in the house? I said, do I got any survivors in the house? Has somebody been through something? If you've been through, that means you're about to get your breakthrough. And it's much better on the other side. Go ahead and shout it out. Go ahead and get the victory. I said, go ahead and shout it out. That's when the walls came down. I said, that's when the walls came down and the enemy was defeated. When the people of God begin to shout. I had some beautiful people I met last week. Great people. And they said, man... They said, this is great. We're not from here. I said, great, that's cool. They said, we're not from here. I said, I know, I can tell. But but look on your face. I could tell the whole service that you weren't from here. And they said, but we're Lutheran. I started laughing. I said, what'd you think? They go, we liked it. We liked it. <laughs> we're no different. This shouting is no different than being at the basketball game. Y'all making it too, too complicated. It's no different. Don't judge us of our shouts. Don't judge us when our ball, our ball goes in the right direction and we get the touchdown or the field goal or, or the, we make the hoop, you know? We can't help it. We want to shout. You know why we shout? Because we know instinctively that we are on the winning team. And we're winning. I said we know we're winning. Can't help it. <laughs> you survived every abusive relationship you survived every dysfunctional relationship you survived backstabbing friends you survived being fired you survived the cancer you survived the unemployment the molestation the divorce the rape and if you survive that you can survive what you're going through right now and with the power of the word of God and in the name of Jesus, you will never have to go through this hell or this hellish cycle ever again in your life. As a matter of fact, Father, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the power of hell and every symptom of the enemy. And I command you, devil, loose your people now. Loose them and set them free. God, I thank you. You're loosing now your people. Glory to God. Every hand go up in this place. Every hand in this place, every hand in this place, Spirit of God's in this house right now. Thank you, Lord. 
He's breaking chains. He's removing burdens. He's tearing up contracts. That things you said with your mouth he's, that were negative and bad and change it to your past. He's actually breaking the contract right now. I see him ripping it up in the spirit. He's giving you a new lease on life. God's about to set you free and deliverance is coming to you and your household. I declare that over you that 2018, ushering in 2019, is going to be a year of freedom and deliverance, a year of breakthrough, a year of wondering how did we get from here to here and to there. Lord, I thank you right now. I lift these people up before you and I thank you, Lord God, that you're setting them free right now. Right now. Now, in Jesus' mighty name. Whew.